Good morning, Four Corners. All right. Hey, guys, we're so pumped that you're here this morning. It's already been an awesome first service. Glad you're here for second service. Would you guys give it up for the worship team? It's doing a fantastic job. I love it. I love the stage design. Looks, looks fantastic. Hey, thrilled that you're here. I want to give two quick shout outs. One, as you guys know, I have two baby girls. Um, they are turning two years old tomorrow. All right, so I made it. All right, you're all welcome. So they're going to be two years old tomorrow, but I want to say I am thrilled that they get to grow up in a church that cares and invests in the next generation like this so much, like Four Corners does. So their favorite song, this true story, their favorite song, before they could say a sentence, they could sing every word to this song, and it's the B-I-B-L-E. That was here, baby. I mean, they learned that. My girls, they went to Hobby Lobby, right, just a few weeks ago, screaming every time Whitney took a turn. The B-I-B-L-E, that's the book for me. They got like a weird list thing type going on. I'm like, yes, I'm a good dad. I put them to church and they learned the B-I-B-L-E. Like, you know, like it's just, I'm thrilled that they're here. I'm, I'm pumped for Pastor Josh. I think he's doing a great job. I'm thrilled for his leadership and so many people um, who invest into our kids here. Thank you for doing that. And also, I want to give uh, a quick shout out to um, a family that means a lot to me. And I know they mean a lot to you. And that's Pastor Ben and Jill and their family. Um, you guys don't get to see a lot of the work that they do, but they really, really care a lot about this place. So I'll come up here on evenings sometimes or weekends, Fridays and Saturdays. It's the weekends for us. And almost every single time the last few weeks, they have been here working on this new kid space. They have been painting. They've been doing drywall work. They've been putting carpet down. They've been installing lights. They've been doing so much work that nobody ever sees about. It's because that family really loves this place. And that family really, really cares a lot about our kids' ministry. So if you would, would you give it up for Pastor Ben, for Jill, your family? Thank you guys for how you lead. Thank you for what you do. You guys are incredible. So I want to read um, uh, a quick story found in Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. I'm going to read about nine or ten verses here. I'm going to pray, and then we are going to dive into it. So I'm going to read Luke chapter 17. If you have your Bible, it's, uh, it's made of paper. Um, I know we don't do hard book books anymore, but here's, there are Bibles still that you can buy um, at uh, museums and stuff. But there were Bibles here. You can get it on your phone. Right, Or if you don't have either of those, it'll be on the screen. Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. It says, Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. We're starting a new series called Christmas is for Family. And I believe that this, uh, this principle that we learn about in the scriptures and we're going to talk about here this morning, I think if applied during this season to your family, would make a massive, dramatic difference. So we'll pray with me. God, thank you so much for who you are. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity to come to a church like Four Corners to worship you freely, God, to study your word freely. God, we thank you. God, we pray that you would be with us. God, in and of myself, I'm not enough. But God, I pray that your spirit would move in and throughout this room this morning. God, we thank you. We give you praise and we give you glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. So, just by show of hands, how many of you will say that over time you've realized that you change? All right. Like maybe you don't quite look the way you used to look. It's okay. Like my wife 
let me know that I don't quite look as fit as I used to look. And I'm like, babe, I look the exact same. And she said, no, you don't. No, you don't. So maybe you don't quite look the way you used to look. Or maybe your hair used to be one color, and now it's another color, either by choice or by accident, right? Is anybody else going that direction? Like, this isn't choice. I don't know why the gray's coming in. I'm 28. What happened to me? But like, like things begin to change. Maybe you had one profession, and now over time, you've changed to another profession. So no matter how long you live, it's just a matter of time before things begin to change. Some good and some bad, but things always, always, always change. And for me, one of the things that I've learned over the last few years that have changed for me is that I used to, sh- I used to give my wife romantic gestures one way, and they've changed now into other ways. So I, I don't know about you guys when you first met your spouse, right? But, but for me, I didn't have like any money when we met. Like, I don't mean like, like you know, I had, I had some, I mean, I was broke. I'm in college, paying for college. I'm paying to eat. I'm paying to live. Like I'm, I'm just getting by and I'm in college and it's great because I can eat ramen noodles and peanut butter sandwiches for days. Like I'm good. But now I have a girlfriend and she doesn't like ramen noodles and peanut butter. And that's not a very romantic gesture. Hey, girl, you're so good. Here's a peanut butter sandwich. Because I can't afford jelly. You notice I don't, I don't do the jelly. So I'm like, like, ah, like that's just not it. So, so I had to find ways of showing her I cared about her within my means. Because, because we didn't have any money. And so for me, I, I had this idea one time. When we were having this conversation, my wife, in a, in a moment of honesty and transparency, you know, when you're having those like deep conversations and you're like really getting to the heart and you're like, wow, I really like her. Wow, I really like him. Like he's so deep. Like, so, so we're like talking and, and, and she got to the heart of, of, of an issue for her. We hadn't officially started dating yet, but she admitted to me in this moment that if we were to begin to date, because I was at that point where dating was very serious for me. If I dated you, that didn't mean we were going to get married. It just meant that that was eventually the route I'd like to go if it worked out. Like we weren't just dating for fun. So she admitted to me that if we were to date, the biggest issue that she would face is the fact that I had a whole lot of memories with other girls that I would never get to share for the first time with her. See, I would be her first serious relationship, but unfortunately she, she wouldn't be mine. And so she shared in this moment of honesty and transparency, this fear that we were going to get, that we would date and eventually we would get married, but I would have so many memories with other relationships that I would not begin to be able to share it with her. So I had this idea. All right, and I know you're gonna laugh at me. I know you're gonna make fun of me. I know you're gonna think this is stupid, but I don't care because it worked, all right? I got the girl and she's mine, all right? So it worked. So, here, so here, here's what I did. I decided I'm gonna ask this girl to be my girlfriend, but I'm gonna do it in a really, really creative way because I don't have any money and I really want her to know I care a lot about her and I really want her to know that I'm serious about this. So I had this really, really great idea that I've never done before and I've never done after and God willing, we'll never do again. But, but in this moment, I had this great idea. I'm going to make her a scrapbook. So I make her this scrapbook, and my goal is I'm going to put all the memories in here that only her and I have been able to share, and then I'm going to leave the rest of it blank and say, if you will date me, I promise to fill these with new memories. Right? Like, oh, man, it was so cool. Such a great idea, as long as nobody found out. Like, it's a great idea as long as she's the only person who ever sees this. So I go, and I had this massive plan. I'm going to go and buy all the supplies. I'm going to get everything together. My roommate's going to go to class. He's going to be gone for three hours. And while he's gone, I will have more than enough time to put this scrapbook together. No one will ever know, and I'll give it to her. She's going to think I'm the best guy in the world. She'll say yes, and one day I'll marry her, and we'll have two kids named Braley and Kinsley. Like, I didn't know that then, but that's what happened. So, so I, I get this idea. He goes to class, and I, like, start moving everything around. All right, I went and bought scissors because I didn't have 
have scissors. I went and bought markers because I didn't have markers. I like went and took, I had pictures printed off and did all this stuff. I, I, I Googled how to make a scrapbook, right? So I'm, I'm like, Google everything. I bought everything and I'm there and it's all spread out. And I'm about half an hour into it and I'm really excited. It's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be great. This is gonna be fantastic. And about half an hour into it, all of a sudden I hear a key go into the lock. See, my roommate's class got canceled. So he got back early. And that's good for him, bad for me. So, so I hear the door unlock and it opens and I'm literally looking the other direction. And he walks in and he comes in and I can just feel like heat. You know what I mean? Like you're in a really awkward situation and you don't know what to do. Have you ever been in like that awkward of a situation where you're like, uh, uh, uh. So I'm just like standing here and he walks in and I can just feel him looking around. So because I'm a man and I have no fear and I'm not afraid of anything, right? I just kept looking forward. And so he's still looking around, he's still looking around. And finally he says, hey, what are you doing? So because I'm a man, I'm not afraid and you know, I can handle all that stuff. I didn't say anything. I just kept looking around. What do you say in this moment? And I finally turn around and I tell him, and I think he's about to just die laughing, but he says, you know what? If that's what works for you, go for it. So I finished the scrapbook. He's my best friend in the world because he didn't make fun of me that day. And I just knew he's, he's in, he's in. So, um, so here's the scrapbook. My wife has kept it all these years. And in here, there are all kinds of like random things that'll mean nothing to you, but to us, they mean a lot because these are things that only her and I get to share. So here's a picture and it's called Greek life. Now, I know a lot of you, you went to schools and you did things in Greek life that were different than what I did in Greek life, all right? Pastor Ben likes to make fun of me because I was in a fraternity, but this fraternity was not your normal fraternity. We had prayer meetings, legitimately. We did worship nights. Like, I mean, like it was, it was crazy, it was awesome. But we were in the same Greek club together. Nobody else had that, but it's just us. We got to share that moment together. Um, I had never carved pumpkins before, so I took a picture of all these massive knives. I didn't use these. If, if you see me cook, you will be glad that I didn't use these knives. I had never carved pumpkins before, so we carved pumpkins, and then she like puts the seeds and puts like cinnamon on them and like makes me eat them. And I'm like, whatever, this girl's hot. Like, I'll go for it. Like, you know, you know like there's so many memories in here that were so unique to us. But I did what I had to do within my means to show her how much I cared for her. But now I have different means. I'm not rich, but I have more than $5 to my name. So like I can afford to do different things. And so my romantic gestures look a lot different now six years into marriage than they did six months into dating. And so we had this conversation the other day, and, and, and if you know me, I'm a, I'm a very strategic person, so I love to have these conversations. My wife loves it, don't you, Whitney? Yeah, she loves having these conversations where I always want to know, how did we get here, where are we, and where do we want to go? And so in this conversation, we're having, you know, some, you know, we're going back and forth about different things, and she makes a statement. And she wasn't saying it derogatory, she wasn't saying it to be negative, she was just making an observation that is a thousand percent true. She said, Joseph, you've changed You've changed. You used to do things one way because that's the only way you could do it. Now you have other ways of doing it and you do it this way. And then she made this statement. She said, you know what? She said, I really, really appreciate everything that you do now. But what I really need to hear are some of the things you used to say back then. And it really caught my attention. It re I mean, it really, for, for some reason, it gripped me that there are things that I used to do because I had to that I don't do anymore because I don't have to. And when I think about relationships, not just in my marriage or with my family or with my friends, I, th I think that's something that happens a lot in that we do things one way because we have to, but over time we get comfortable and we change and we do things a different way. But I wonder if the original way many times is the better way. So I, wanna, I just want to ask a question. I just want you to wrestle with this. I don't want you to raise your hands. This is what we're going to talk about this morning. I wonder if you'd be willing to admit, at least in the way that you show gratitude 
you've changed. In the way that you express your gratitude, you've changed. Because you see, when you first started dating, like Whitney and I did, man, you would do some crazy stuff, right? Like, man, she said yes. Woo! I didn't think she would, but she did. Now I gotta figure out what I'm gonna do, right? Like, like you were just so excited that she said yes, you would go out of your way to show her how glad you were, how excited you were. Or maybe you remember when you guys first started dating, how everything he said was so cool and so wise and now smart and so smart. Now when he talks, you just wanna hit him in the head because he's so dumb. Like, like you remember, like you used to think so differently back then. Or maybe when you first had kids, you remember how grateful you were in the beginning? Our girl spent several weeks in the NICU, and I remember days when they wouldn't have a bradycardia episode where they wouldn't forget to breathe that day. I remember being like, yes, this is awesome. They didn't forget to breathe today. Woo! And like, I remember the first time Braley, she was the first one to drink 10 milliliters of, bra- of, of milk because they have to drink so much before they go to the hospital. And I'm like, like putting it on Instagram, my baby drank 10 milliliters of milk. This is awesome. I'm so pumped. And now two years into it, like, I'm not exactly as grateful as I used to be. I'm not as thankful as I used to be. I don't express it in the way that I used to. And I think when this scripture, I think if we dive into this, and I think if we were honest with ourselves, there's a big gap that we're missing. And as we head into this holiday season and we talk about Christmas and we're, everybody's so excited for gift giving. Some people love to receive gifts. Some people love to give gifts. And it's awesome. Go do that. There's nothing wrong with that in the world. That is an amazing thing to do. But I wonder what would happen if we just, if we just thought for a minute how we could be better at showing each other gratitude. So I'm not gonna do it, because it may start a riot. But if I were to ask you, how many of you are grateful? Every hand would go up. Because I'm grateful, I'm so appreciative, I'm so thankful for everything in my life. But if I also asked you, how many of you would say that the people around you are not grateful for what you do? Almost every hand would go up. See, the, the truth is, it's really, really easy to see when somebody else is ungrateful. It's really, really difficult to see when I'm not ungrateful. And this morning, I believe that God wants us to look at how we show gratitude to one another. So we read in Luke chapter 17, the story about these 10 lepers. So Jesus, he was born in a manger. He lived for 30 years. He began his ministry, he did it for three years. And at the end of that ministry, he was going to go to Jerusalem, which he begins right here, where eventually he was gonna die on a cross. He was gonna be resurrected three days later and he was gonna to ascend to heaven. And 2,000 years later, we're gonna be here worshiping him because he's God, because he's awesome. But before he did that, he sets out to Jerusalem. And as he's going, there's these 10 people with leprosy that come up. Now, a lot of you know what leprosy is, but if you don't, here's a real quick recap of it. Leprosy was this infectious disease within your body. And what it would do is it would begin on the inside, but eventually would manifest itself on the outside. And so you'd begin to get these sores and and, and you would get really sick. And so because it was feared to be so contagious, you had to leave the city. Like you couldn't stay with your family. You couldn't stay with your friends. You couldn't stay at work. You couldn't keep being like, you had to leave the city. Your, your clothes had to be ripped and you had to yell unclean anytime somebody came near you because if they touched you, they might get this disease. It was a disease, uh, it would attack the nervous system. So it would be very normal because they couldn't feel pain anymore that they would get cuts and bruises on their fingers, on their toes and on, their, on, on parts of their face and, and they would lose them. It'd be very normal for them to lose fingers, to lose toes, to to lose parts of their face because their nervous system didn't let them know that something was wrong. And so Jesus is walking, he's going into a village and these 10 people who've been cast out of the city, who who are unclean, who have a terminal illness that nobody believes can be healed, come up to Jesus and they say, Jesus, master, have pity on us. 
And so Jesus turns and he says, hey, go show yourselves to the priest. Because there was no known cure for the disease, but there were times that supernaturally people would get healed. And when there's this supernatural phenomenon would happen, they would have to go show themselves to the priest. And if the priest declared them clean, essentially he would reinstate them back into society. Hey, I can come home. I have this piece of paper that says I'm clean. And so before they're even healed, before anything happens, Jesus tells them to do something that he tells us to do. He says, hey, turn and go show yourself to be clean even though you're not. So he was telling them to walk by faith the same way that he tells us to walk by faith. You may not have it right now, but if you trust me, if you believe I'm God, if you're gonna call me master, then go and do as I say and watch me be God. So they see, they hear, okay, go. I'm not clean now, but go and show yourself. All right, so they go and they're walking towards the priest and scripture says this incredible thing happens. As they're walking, they begin to get clean or they're healed. Their sores begin to go away. Their body begins to stand back upright. They can feel themselves, their body coming back together in the way that it's supposed to. Man, this is awesome. This is everything I needed. And so scripture says that nine of them kept going, but one of them comes back. One of them comes back and he throws himself at the feet of Jesus and he begins to thank him. And if you're like me, Maybe you've heard this story before. Maybe even if this is the first time you've ever heard this story, you're probably thinking the same thing that I thought. Well, that one guy, he was grateful. But the other nine, man, them ungrateful guys, they didn't even come back and the least they could have done is said, thank you. He just healed you and they kept on going on. Them ungrateful people. But the only reason we think they're ungrateful is because one person expressed his gratitude. You see, the first point, if you're taking notes, is unexpressed gratitude communicates ingratitude. You know, you can look all throughout the Bible that there are times that Jesus heals people, and we have zero record of them saying thank you. One time he, he healed Peter's, one of his disciples' mother-in-law, and the very next verse after she was healed of fever says that she went up and started waiting on people. She went back to work. He fed over 5,000 people with fish and chips, and not one of them said, hey, thank you. There are so many times that we can read where Jesus did miraculous, incredible healings. He did things that absolutely are supernatural and we have almost no record of those people saying thank you. But the one time somebody does say thank you, we immediately think the other nine are ungrateful. See, I think Jesus is trying to teach us something in the moment here. He's trying to teach us something in this, that failure to communicate, failure to express your gratitude in actuality communicates ingratitude to one another. You see, here, here's, here's how it looks like, um, um, I, I think, back then. If you were to go and ask those nine, I mean, just say we could go back and we could catch up to them and say, hey, you just got healed. Are you, are you thankful? They'd be like, oh my gosh. I mean, this, this is speculation here. Are you kidding me? I am so grateful. I get to go hug my wife. I get to go kiss my kids. I get to go back to work. Jesus, the Messiah, he healed me. This is awesome. But because they didn't go back and express it, we assumed that they weren't grateful. And I think what happens with a lot of us, at least with me especially, is it's not that you don't feel grateful. It's not even that you aren't grateful. It's that you don't express your gratitude. And what you communicate is ingratitude. So here's, here's how it looks like in, in our house. My wife wakes up at the ungodly hour of 4.30 a.m. She wakes up at 4.30 and she teaches classes online because she loves to do that. So she teaches classes for like three hours and then our girls wake up and she immediately, as soon as they wake up, she grabs them, she feeds them, she takes care of them all day, she runs a small business, she somehow puts up with me and then I come home and every single day she makes dinner. She just does and it's normal. It's, it, it, honestly, it's expected. It's just what happens. She loves to do it. She's a great manager of our home. So every single night, 
She makes dinner and I eat it and it's awesome and it's great. And she only makes stuff I like because she's after six years knows what I like and it's amazing. And I eat it and I scarf it down and then I go and play with the girls and then we put them down and either Whitney and I spend time or I, or I go do more work that I've got to do. But over time, when I fail to just express, hey, thank you for what you're doing, when I'm eating that food, when I'm playing with the girls, when I'm going to work, she doesn't feel gratitude. She feels like I'm ungrateful because I didn't express it. But if you were to ask me, if you were just to say, man, Joseph, are you grateful for your wife? I would do the same thing that most of us do. We are so good at expressing it to everybody. I would tell you, man, my wife is amazing. She can take care of those girls. I take care of them for two hours and I need a nap and she takes care of them all day and she takes care of me. She's amazing. And she cooks food and she runs a small business and she teaches and she does all of these things. But the problem is if I express it to you, if I express it to our, to our church, if I express it to my friends, if I expect it to my family, but I never express it to her, what I'm really communicating is that I'm not grateful. And I think for a lot of us, it's not that you're not grateful, but the people around you may not feel that you're grateful because you solely, simply haven't expressed it. So the first thing we can do if we want to step up our level of, of, of gratitude is to realize the only gratitude where substance is the one that you're willing to express. If you aren't willing to express it, it doesn't really contain any substance because people need to hear your gratitude. So as we, as we read here, well, I love that these 10 guys are going one direction. And scripture says that the one guy, he realized he was cleansed. He turned and he went back to Jesus. So everybody else was looking forward to what we're going to get to go do. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get to go be shown clean. I'm going to get to go be with my kids. I'm going to get to go be home. I'm going to get to eat normal food. I'm going to get to walk into the city and not yell unclean. Like, I'm so excited. There's so many things that I want that because they were so consumed with what they wanted, they failed to express gratitude for the things that they had. So your second point, if you're taking notes, is sometimes we allow what we want to rob us from expressing gratitude for what we have. These guys were so excited to move forward to get what they wanted that they failed to go back and express gratitude for what they had. And this happens a lot. We want to do things. We want something new. We want something better. We want to move ahead. We want this. We want that. And we get so consumed with looking ahead that there are so many blessings and gifts that we've been given right here that we fail to express gratitude for. I've learned with having kids that being grateful is not normal. It's not natural. I wish that they were born being grateful for all the things I do for them. I mean, seriously, wouldn't it be nice to like change a dirty diaper and then be like, thank you. Like, is that too much to ask? Like, I don't know. My wife gives me a hard time. She thinks I, I speak logically to them like they're gonna understand me, but I don't know. So, so like, but they're just, they're not grateful. And they fight over everything. You guys have kids, like, they always fight over everything. We had a party for them last Friday, and people were like, should we buy them two different gifts or the same? I was like, please, dear Lord, buy two of the same thing, because they will fight tooth and nail to get what the other one has. And, 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 and nothing expresses this more than a, a few weeks back, we were at a wedding. And at this wedding, we knew we had to get them the exact same food. So they're dressed the exact same, so they don't complain. We go to get them food, and it's the exact same food, the exact same amount on both plates. All right, so you got your chicken, you got your pasta, you got whatever else we got. You're like, everything's the exact same. And so we sit down, and Whitney's holding Braley, my mother-in-law's holding Kinsley, and everything's the exact same. But Kinsley decided that she wanted what Braley had. Now remember, they're the exact same thing. Like, I, I don't know how else to explain They're the exact same. But Kinsley did not want what she had in front of her. She wanted what Braley had in front of her. So Kinsley did what all kids did, mine. 
And like, dear Lord, who taught them that? I don't understand. But anyway, so she's like, mine. And she's like reaching for this. And we're like, no, Kinsley, you have this right here. But she's like, no, mine. I want, I want. And she's like trying to get this. Well, now Braley's upset. And now that Braley's upset, dad's upset. Now that dad's upset, we got a problem here. Kinsley, eat your food. Braley, please quit screaming. There's a wedding going on. Everything's fine. And they're fighting and they're going back and forth. Well, then they eventually, both of them have their hands on Braley's plate. And Kinsley somehow manages to rip it away from Braley. And so as she rips the plate away from Braley, the plate does this. And as she does this, all the food on her plate goes flying. But she also turned her body when she did this. So all the food on her plate got knocked off as well to the person who was sitting next to my mother-in-law, which was Whitney's grandmother. And you all do the same thing I did in that moment. I looked right at her and I said, them are Whitney's girls right there. Whitney's kids, I'm telling you. You guys, you know. Like your kids do something, you're like, eh, it's, it's his kids, they ain't mine, they're, they're his. And I'm like, God, Kinsley, why were you so consumed with getting what she had that you couldn't see the very gift that was right in front of you? But I think if we're honest, if we're really honest and we look at our lives, we do the exact same thing. We are so consumed with getting what's over here, with getting what they have, with getting what I want, with getting this right here, that we fail to see the gift right in front of us and express gratitude for it. We get on social media and we say, man, their life looks a whole lot better than the one I'm living in right now, right? We, we, we go out with our friends and we hear about how great their spouse is and how great their spouse is and we come back and say, man, my spouse ain't that good. Like, I mean, like we go do all of these things and we go through all of these places and we go through all of these different circumstances and we're so consumed with what's next, with what we want, with what we want to go. And it's not all bad, but we want, we want, we want that we fail to see the very gift that's right in front of us. So to know where you're at on this gratitude level, I have a question for you. I'm not asking you to say anything out loud. I just, I just want you to ask it to yourself. And maybe if you're really bold, maybe you could ask your spouse or somebody close to you later today this question. The question is this. Do you express desire for the things you want more than you express gratitude for the things you have? If you were to have an honest conversation with your spouse, would they be able to tell you all the things you wish they were or would they be able to communicate all the things you're thankful for that they are? If I was to talk to your kids, would they communicate all the things you wish they did or would they be able to communicate all the things you're thankful for that they do? Or students, if I'm talking to your parents, are, are they gonna be able to tell me all the things you wish they did or are they going to be able to tell me all the things you're grateful for that they do? You see, if, if we're not careful, we say we're grateful, but yet the only thing we communicate are the things we want. We're really communicating that we're not grateful for the things that we have. This guy was willing to communicate that. So maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, man, this is great, Joseph. Thank you for this. This is awesome. Woo, man, this guy, he had it, he had it made. He had a miracle. Man, if I had a miracle, you know what? I'd be grateful too. But right now, I just don't feel grateful. Right now, if I'm really, really honest with myself, I'm not that happy. Things have not gone the way that I've planned. Things are not looking so good for me. Maybe, maybe you're sitting here and you'd be honest and you'd say, you know what, like, I, I, I thought things would look this way and I invested 20 years into this marriage and I did everything I could, but yet she still wants a divorce. Or maybe you're sitting here saying, man, it's really easy to be grateful when you get everything you want, but, but I needed a miracle and it didn't happen, and I still buried them. And maybe you're sitting here, and you're saying, you know what? I, I did so much for this job. I put in so many hours. I was so grateful. I did all of this stuff, but yet they still cut me. Or maybe you're here, and you're saying, you know what? I've done everything I could to follow God and be grateful and be the best man or woman I'm supposed to be, but yet I just got the diagnosis 
when things aren't looking so good. You see, it's easy to express gratitude when we've got everything we want. But how do you express gratitude when you don't? How do you express gratitude when things don't go the way you thought they would? How do you express gratitude when you don't get the answer to your prayer? So maybe you can't relate to this guy healed of his leprosy, but I bet you could relate to a guy named King David. King David, he he gets a lot of press for defeating Goliath as a small boy. I mean, man, that is awesome. He deserves the press. That's amazing. I love King David, one of my favorite characters. But if you read the totality of his story, his story was tough. This guy was betrayed. This guy had to bury his children. This guy had to run for his life. This guy was mocked. This guy had to flee his own home that he built numerous times because there were things going on to attack him. His life was not easy. And he gets to the end of his life. And most people believe that Psalm 23, that Pastor Ben did a great job of teaching us through a few weeks ago. He's at the end of his life and, and he pins this psalm, this song, reflecting on his life. So knowing all of the stuff he went through, I want you to, to read the words that he said. And you know it, Psalm chapter 23, it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. This sounds great. Yes. Woo, sign me up for that. Then the next verse. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, some translations, the shadow of death, through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So in the beginning, he's talking, and we're all like, yes, you lead me beside still waters. You make me lie down in green pastures. You lead. This is great. This is awesome. But then he goes right into says, yeah, he's leading me. But just so you know, dear to my life, he also led me to some dark valleys, He also led me to some that I would term the the valley of the shadow of death. And there were times that I prayed that he would remove the obstacles from me. But you know, he didn't do that. He prepared a table right in the middle of my enemies. All the stuff that I wanted out of my life, he actually provided for me right in the middle of it. And so he looks and he says, my life was tough. My life was hard. It didn't go exactly the way that I planned. Things didn't always look so good. But even though he led me through that, I still trust him. Even though he led me through that, I will love him all of my days. Even though things didn't go the way that I planned, I can still give gratitude to my God. You see, here's the thing that we have to learn in our lives is sometimes you don't don't have to feel grateful to express gratitude. You see, in the first few examples, we can feel these things, but sometimes you don't feel grateful. That doesn't mean you still can't choose to express gratitude. You see, I, my wife and I, we learned about this the hard way. You see, a few years back, we went through something that so many people go through. Statistically, one in three couples go through this. So statistically, I know at least a third of you will understand exactly what I'm talking about. But I also know that most of you have gone through so much worse than this, but you'll understand where I'm coming from. So a few years ago, my wife and I were married. We moved to North Carolina, and man, we are rocking it. Things are going great. I said, God, I'm going to follow you all of my life. You want me to go to North Carolina? I don't know anybody in North Carolina, literally, not a soul in North Carolina. This woman loves me. She trusts you. We trust you. We're going to follow you, and you're going to bless us all of our days. So we go, and within a year of being in North Carolina, I'm 22. I don't know how to be married. I don't know how to be a husband. Now we get the great news that Whitney's pregnant. And it's like, yes, wait, she's pregnant. 
I know how that happens, but wow, like, all right, so she's pregnant. And I'm like, geez, man, things are moving fast. And so she's pregnant and we're getting all excited and we're like, oh man, it's gonna be a boy, it's gonna be a girl. What what, what names do you think? Well, where are we gonna put them at? What are we gonna do with the room? And yeah, we go through all that thing. We go through a couple doctor's visits and we go and we get the news, you know, that's coming is that she had a uh, miscarriage. We had a miscarriage. And I remember the nurse telling us that. Now granted, I, I'm a pastor. I, I get paid to talk. And I remember them telling me that and in, 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 in having no words. And, and then they, they, they could tell that we didn't know what to say. They, they could tell we didn't know what to do. So they said, you, you can stay or you can leave. And immediately Whitney runs out. So I chase after her and we get in the car and you know, I'm, I'm holding her. She's just obviously, rightfully so upset. I'm upset. And I remember just having literally nothing to say. Not a single word. Well, Joseph, man, you know scripture. You should have pulled it out right there, man. Like, oh, we can trust God. He's faithful. He's good. Man, I didn't know. So we go home that night. And I remember looking at each other and, and, and talking and, and, and not really knowing how to understand this, even how to express the way we were feeling. And I remember having a thought that we should pray. I'm a pastor. I get paid to pray. I remember saying, I'm not praying. I'm not doing that. <laughs> what type of a God lets this happen? I mean, I'm, I'm not some guy on the side of the street who's, who's mocking you, who is, who is not following you, who's not active in church, who's not committed to doing the things you're doing. I am a man who has committed his entire life at 22 years old and the life of his future kids, the life of his wife to doing everything you've called me to do. How could you do this? So I didn't pray. I remember getting up the next day and I thought, man, if some, some rest, I feel better. Man, I was more mad. Man, I was, I got... I was angry and my wife is upset. And I'd love to tell you that like that day we got it figured out and we moved on. But man, it, it wasn't a day. It wasn't a week. It wasn't, it wasn't a month. But I remember the moment that I finally did pray. And you guys know that prayer is a big deal to me. I've, I, I've been raised on it. I've, I, that's all that I've ever known is prayer. Prayer is very normal to me. I remember the first time I prayed to God and it looked nothing like any prayer I've ever prayed before. I've always been like, God, you're good. God, thank you. God, I trust you. You're, you're awesome. Opened that prayer and I was pretty ticked. Opened that prayer and said, you know what? You suck. (laughs) Why would you do this? Why? She didn't deserve this. I sure as heck didn't deserve this. If you're really a good God, I don't feel it. If you really love me, I doubt it. I gotta be 100% transparent. If you're even real, you wouldn't have let this happen to me. I was mad. I was so mad. I was so upset. And I remember going uh, a month or two later to a prayer meeting at our church because I'm on staff and I'd get fired if I didn't go to this prayer meeting. But I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And so we're at this prayer meeting. And I'd love to tell you that I'm the husband, I'm the man, I'm the leader, I'm the pastor. And I was the one who pressed through and said, yeah, we're going to be good. Whitney, let's get ourselves up. We can trust God. We can love him. But I remember sitting and that prayer meeting, and I remember everybody praying and everybody singing, and me just being so mad, so mad. Like, this is all a waste of my time. I'll never forget, my wife stood up. And she started to worship. She put her hands up. She started to, uh, started to tear up. God, I always think I want to make it through. And, and she started to tear up. And, and I remember these words coming out of her mouth and just blew my mind. She said, thank you, God. And in that moment, the man, the leader, the pastor who was supposed to be able to stand up 
and lead the way for my family, my wife stood up and expressed gratitude to God. You know what happened in that moment? I stopped looking at what I wanted and what I thought should have happened, and I looked at what I had, and I said, you know what, God, thank you for this woman. Thank you for this wife who's able to stand up when I can't. Thank you that she has enough faith even when I don't. Thank you for what you've given me. And literally, it didn't happen overnight, but in that moment, things began to change. They did. Because, because she was willing to step up and thank God, even though things didn't look the way they were supposed to, even though things were difficult, even though we sure as heck didn't feel like it. In that moment, she was able to say, God, I thank you. God, I trust you. She was able to do the exact same thing David did. Even if I'm walking through a dark valley, even if I'm surrounded by my enemies, even if life is just not the way that I thought it would go, I can still choose to express gratitude because I trust you. And you see, if we learn to do this with God, you will learn to do this with the relationships around you. You see, right now, if you choose to thank God, even though you don't feel like it, eventually what you'll do is you'll choose to thank those around you, even though you don't feel like it. You will choose to thank your spouse, even if you wish they were a little bit better. You will choose to thank your parents, even if you wish they were doing this over here. You will choose to thank your boss, even if you wish that he would give you another opportunity. Because if you learn that even though things aren't the way you thought they would go, you can still choose to express gratitude, you step up into a whole nother level of your spiritual walk. And my fear is so many of us adult Christians, we only give thanks for what we have, and we only give thanks for when it's good, but we fail to give thanks even though life isn't what we thought it would be. You can choose to express gratitude this season because there was a God who sent his son to be born in a manger, to live for 30 years and do ministry for three solely for the purpose of dying on a cross for our sins, rising three days later and ascending to heaven. If there's nothing else you have to be thankful for, God, I'm really mad right now. But even though this didn't go the way I thought it would, thank you for being born and choosing to be like me. It's a choice. It's not always a feeling. Sometimes you have to express gratitude even though life isn't going as you planned. It's true. So the last thing I want to give you this morning as, as I get prepared to close is that we talked about how unexpressed gratitude really communicates ingratitude. And we also talked about how we are so busy sometimes looking at what we want, we let it rob us from expressing gratitude for what we have. And then we looked at how gratitude isn't a feeling, gratitude is a choice. And here's, here's the fourth thing that I want to tell you, because I think there's a lot of power in this. Scripture tells us in Proverbs 18, that there is power, the power of life and death is in the tongue. That there is tremendous power in the words that we speak, that every single one of us are walking around with this weapon, this weapon that can produce life in people or it can produce death in people. But every single one of us have this weapon. And when it comes to expressing gratitude, I think the thing we have to realize is that there are a lot of things going on in the world that we are not aware of. There are people who are going through, in this room, Right now, there are so many things going on in your life, in the person next to you, in the person behind you. There are so many things going on in their life, but yet God gave you and I the ability to speak life into them. So I wonder, I wonder if we just attempted to do this, I wonder what it would look like. You see, in my line of work, I, 
I, I hear a lot of the bad, right? I hear the, man, nobody cares about me. Nobody loves me. No, uh, it, my, what's the point? My life is worth this. I hear all of that. And man, it breaks my heart because I know there are people in their lives who appreciate them, who are grateful for them, who are thankful for them, who love them, but they just haven't expressed it. And so because they're not expressing it, there are people sitting in this room, sitting in my room on Sunday night with students. There are people sitting there who feel like nobody cares for them, but every single one of us have the ability to speak life into that situation. So I wonder what this would look like. See, it's the Christmas season. We think like, man, I gotta, I gotta get this big gift. I gotta go do this amazing gesture and those are good and go do those and have fun, but do it wisely. But like, you know, we think that we have to do all these things and that's what's really gonna change things. But what if we just chose to express our gratitude to speak life? So for me, uh, a couple of weeks ago, about two months ago, Man, we were, we, we were rocking. We're, we're doing everything I can do. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm trying to do the whole dad thing. I got these two sweet girls and I'm trying to do the husband thing and, and, and I'm trying to do the, the pastor thing here and I'm trying to figure out how to leave my home and I'm trying to figure out you know, how to live in the cold because it's Ohio. You know? So I'm like trying to like learn all of these things in my life and I'm trying to balance everything. And, and, and it may not appear like it to you and if it, if it doesn't, don't tell me, but like I put a lot of time into these messages. Like not like an hour, like hours and hours into this stuff. And I speak every Sunday night to our high school students. And I, and I remember putting hours and hours every single week into our messages and into our program and into everything that we do. I spend so much time thinking and praying through it. And I remember one particular night and I, I, you know, I, I, I spoke, we did our thing. It was, it was a good night. But I remember going home, getting in the car with my wife and being like, God, I'm just missing it. Like I'm just, I am failing. Like, they're just not getting it. I'm just not a good enough leader. I must not be a good enough communicator. I must not be praying hard enough. Like, I'm just, I am failing. And you know how when you're in those, in those seasons or in those days where, like, like, on paper, you shouldn't be as tired as you are, but you are just exhausted. Like, like on paper, like, it doesn't make sense to anybody, but you are just done. Like, you are fried. And I remember going home, and I, I couldn't sleep. I, like, my mind is running and I'm like, what is wrong? And why am I so tired? And I don't know if I can keep doing this. And I don't know if I have enough. And I thought that I could handle this, but maybe I can't handle this. And I'm just literally beating myself up. And I get a text message from a student. Real simple. It is from Philip Lewandowski. He said, hey, Joseph, really appreciate your messages. Some of the best I've ever heard. He took six seconds to express gratitude to me, an adult, a pastor, a real Christian. He took six seconds to express his gratitude to me, and it completely changed my situation. He sent a text message that spoke life into a pastor who was struggling. See, here's the thing this morning. It is not rocket science. Expressing gratitude is a choice that you and I can make every single day. And every time we choose to express gratitude, whether it's for what we have or even though we may not have what we think we have, every time we choose to express gratitude, we are speaking life into people. You're speaking life into your job. You're speaking life into your marriage. You're speaking life into your kids. You're speaking life into your family every single time. But you have to express it. So here's, here's, here's the challenge I gave our students last week, and I'm going to give it to you as well. It's very simple. I said, hey, how are you going to express gratitude to God this week for what you have? And then next, how are you going to express gratitude to God even though he may not have done what you thought he should do? Next one is, how are you going to express gratitude to your family for what you have? But then how are you going to express gratitude to your family even though maybe they aren't what you wish they were? Or lastly, I asked all of them, I said, you pick somebody, you pick anybody. I don't care if it's your teacher. I don't care if it's someone at church. I don't care if it's a friend. I don't care if it's a coach, if it's a sibling. Find somebody 
and choose this week how you're going to express your gratitude to them for what you have, but also choose how you're going to express your gratitude even though maybe they aren't what you wish they were. You see, what I think would happen is things would literally begin to change. I think this holiday season, we're going to be busy. We got parties to go to and we got gifts to buy and we got all these cool things and I'm thrilled for Christmas this season. But man, if, if we don't get to the heart that, that, that God so loved the world that he sent his son, the whole point of this season is to tell God, I am grateful, I am thankful, I appreciate what you've done and because of that, I choose now to express that gratitude to other people. The most powerful thing you could do is do it with your words. So Christmas is for families. I wonder this season if maybe things aren't going the way you thought they should. How could you teach your kids how to give thanks to God even though it doesn't look the way you thought it would? I wonder how you could teach your family this season even though things may not look the way you thought they would, how to express gratitude towards each other. Instead of telling them they're ungrateful, why don't you teach them and show them how to be grateful? That may be the most powerful gift that we give each other and that we give our families this season. If you take your Connect cards out, we want to take a few bold steps. It's in the um, offering envelope right there next to you. What we do is we don't believe in just hearing a message. We want to apply the message to our lives. And so if you have that Connect card out, you have an opportunity to take five steps this morning. Five steps and say, hey, I want to take another level. I didn't just hear a message. I want to do something with it. So the next bold step A is, hey, today I'm making Jesus my Lord and Savior. Maybe, maybe you haven't done that. Maybe you don't even know much about this. Maybe you've heard a lot about it and you would love to sit down and talk with us. If you check Bold Step A, we will follow up. We will call you. We'll sit down. Because like Pastor Ben said, every single week people are committing their lives to God. So much has happened because of God's power in this room. And if you want to take that step, just check A. Bold Step B is today I'm choosing to be baptized. It says, hey, I, I've, I've accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, but I want to take that public declaration now. We have a baptism coming up in two weeks. It's going to be incredible. We'd love for you to participate. Or bold step C, it says, I will pray and ask God to reveal to me areas I can express more gratitude. I will pray and ask God to reveal to me areas I can express more gratitude. Because there is no doubt that our world needs more gratitude. Maybe us as a church could step up and lead the way. God, show me areas that I can express more gratitude. Maybe bold step D, I will express gratitude at least twice a day this week. Man, that sounds like a lot. Oh my gosh, 14 times. Man, whoo. So I did the math, a church our size. Do you know if we all committed to doing twice a day for the next seven days, do you know our community would receive over 5,000 impressions of gratitude? 5,000 times this week, our community would receive life by our words because we chose to express them. I, I, my hope is that every single one of us check this and commit to twice a day, whether that's to my spouse, whether that's to my kids, whether that's to my parents, whether that's to my boss, whether that's to my friends, maybe it's rather to a, a sibling of some sort or a coach, whatever it is, twice a day, every day this week, I will express gratitude. Bold step E, pray for me as I seek to express gratitude even though life isn't going as I planned. I get holiday season brings up a lot of memories, a lot of, a lot of things right now. Maybe life isn't going the way you thought it would go. We would love to pray for you as you seek to express gratitude. We would love to join you in prayer and say, man, it's hard. We get it. We know this is a difficult season. We want to pray with you that in this season of telling God how thankful we are for him, that we're able to also thank those around us, even if we don't feel like it. If you set your connect card to the side, we're getting prepared to take up our offering. Our ushers are going to come up here. And we're so, so thankful for what you guys do here. 
As, as Pastor Ben said here, you know, we're starting our Christmas offering season where you'll have an opportunity to, to give above and beyond your, your normal ties to what's going on here. But I wanna share a quick story with why I'm thankful that each and every week you guys choose to be generous. A couple of weeks ago, I got to go in our middle school service and there was three middle schoolers and a high schooler leading worship. There's three middle schoolers and a high schooler leading worship. Like they were singing, they were playing, they were leading the way for those students. And the gift to me wasn't that they actually did it. The gift to me was that this is a church that they wanted to do it in. That this church is willing to be generous with making facilities that kids and students have a blast learning about God in. They were willing to give to experiences where they can have so much fun, but yet love each other. They can grow with godly leaders and grow with godly students that we care enough to invest every single week that some students would say, you know what? I'd love to lead and worship in this church because this is my church. Every time you give, you help us provide opportunities for kids and teenagers and adults to say, this is my church. I wanna be a part of what God's doing here. So thank you for being generous this morning. Will you pray with me as we, go to God's word, as, we, as we pray over this offering? God, thank you so much for who you are. God, I thank you for being a great God. Thank you that over 2,000 years ago, you sent your son. God, I am here standing on this platform because I have been changed by the power of what your son did on the cross. And so God, thank you in this season as we celebrate, God, Jesus' birth. God, I pray that even though things may not go the way I think they should, even though in this season things may be tough, even though, God, there is some hurt and there's some pain in this room, God, I thank you that you are still more than enough to give thanks for, more than enough to show gratitude. And God, I pray for everybody in this room. God, I pray that we would learn to express our gratitude. God, we would express our gratitude to our spouses, to our kids, to our parents, to those around us. God, in this season, we would just be a reflection of our thankfulness for what we are and what you've done. God, I pray that there are some things going on right now that are keeping us from feeling grateful, but I feel like, in, I pray that in this season, if we, even if we don't feel like it, God, I pray that we would choose to be grateful. And God, I pray that we would speak life. God, I pray over this week that incredible life is spoken in our community. God, I pray that our schools, I pray that our families, I pray that our workplaces are changed this week because of the life that's gonna be spoken through our words of gratitude. And God, I pray over this offering. God, I pray over every cent that is given. God, we thank you for people's willing hearts to give to what you're doing here. And we pray that it would go to further your ministry, that this Northern Cincinnati would experience real love now because of what you're doing through this place. God, we thank you and give you glory and honor in your name. Amen.